Welcome to Long Story Short. Each week, we sit down with different guests to discuss issues important to the campus community at the University of Utah. Today we're talking about the University of Utah's Pride Week coming up. So we're interviewing Alexis Perno. Alexis is a social work and journalism double major. They work with Slug Mag, Craft Lake City, and they just finished up a legislative internship with Great Salt Lake Collaborative. So Alexis, it's so great to have you in the studio. Um, could you just tell us a little bit about yourself and your story? Yeah, absolutely. First of all, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. This is a super fun opportunity. Awesome. Yeah. So I am a third year uh, here at the university. I'm planning on doing five years because my two majors. Um, if we're talking about Pride Week, I'll, I'll launch right into a yes. couple of identities. So I realized that I was a lesbian when I was 13, but I didn't realize that I was trans until I was 18, actually, my freshman year at the U. So it's been really fun to kind of explore those identities. I'm also a poet, so I write a lot about my gender identity recently and how that intersects with like queerness as a whole and a lot of my other identities as a journalism major, a social work major, and just what I'm passionate about. So yeah. Cool. Tell me more about um, your poetry. How do you find inspiration? Do you have artists you get inspired by how's Ooh. the process like so I so I actually have been doing poetry I'm 20 right now and I've been doing poetry since I was 15 cool. and from 15 to 18 I was doing competitive slam poetry so I'm not sure if you're familiar with Brave New Voices tell me about it so Brave New Voices is an international youth slam poetry competition if oh, you cool. google Brave New Voices you'll probably it's like it's all the YouTube slam poetry what you think about yeah. that's Brave New Voices oh, sweet. so I got to compete there for three years which was super fun it was awesome But now I mostly do kind of just more page poetry, writing for myself. But a lot of my inspiration is just things I've experienced. Like, Mm -hmm. I I think I write for myself first and foremost, and especially with queerness and when that intersects with mental health um, and neurodiversity like that. It's really helpful to just help me understand things and help me process things. So I've been writing a lot about my gender recently, and I've been really enjoying it. But if you want a recommendation, one of my all-time favorite poets is Richard Sykin. He's a contemporary gay poet, and he... Oh, his book Crush is Crush. really good. Yeah, Crush Richard Sykin. Yes, okay, cool. highly recommend. Awesome. All right. Um, well, I'd love to kind of talk about what the university provides for queer students. Um, and you know, you kind of talked about how poetry is a really good way to kind of mm-hmm. express that and um, to work with it. Um, but on more of a macro level, like how, mm-hmm. what do you think the barriers are for queer students on campus? Oh, I'd yeah. love to hear more about that. Oh, yeah. I mean, honestly, I think it starts with the LGBT Resource Center. They're a great organization, but they're just understaffed, underfunded, underutilized. Mm. And I know I, I looked at their annual reports for last year and the year before, and a common thread was that they were talking about how hard it was to engage students. And I really do feel that, especially my first year at the U. I'm from out of state. I'm from Florida originally. Mm. So my first year at the U, I tried to use the LGBT Resource Center, but it was also fall of 2020. And it was just really hard to try and make those, I think, 
There's also something that's very unique, I think, about queer friendships is the level of intimacy that you usually start off with. Mm. And that was really hard to foster over Zoom. And that's no fault of the LGBT Resource Center, but I've noticed in their annual reports they were mentioning how it's been hard to get their engagement levels back up. Yeah. You know, and there's a recently a new group called Queer Trans Students of Color. I got to attend one of their events with my friend Giovanni Valdez, whom I love dearly. Um, and we had a really good time there, but they it was also just very small. People mm. don't know about it. So I think Honestly, there are a lot of barriers for queer students because queerness intersects with every other aspect of life and adds a special sort of nuance. And that gets even more complex when you are a person of color or if you're disabled or any of the other many marginalized identities out there. So I really do think that queerness in some ways adds to barriers, but also it can lower barriers and just kind of change the tone of barriers. But I really think that you... It's offering and it's trying for things, but I don't necessarily know if it's if it's lowering those barriers in a way that's most effective unless it feels like they're kind of sometimes it feels as if they check off a box of we tried instead Mm. of oh we are actively trying to do better and better ourselves and fund these programs and get them out because these programs are awesome. But if people don't know about them, what's the point? You know, you can't help anyone with them. Well, what are some ways that these programs do you think can get more outreach? Um, Mm -hmm. And I'd love to also hear more about what the programs do in general. You kind of talked about how they maybe facilitate conversations and how there's, um, you know, maybe like a deep level of like intimacy, like with Mm -hmm. just first those first queer friendships. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Can you talk more about that? Yeah, absolutely. The Queer Trans Students of Color event that I got to go to was right around Valentine's Day, and it was specifically about fetishization and dating. Mm. And I, as a white and queer individual, I didn't know much about that. So it was really incredible to be going into this space and getting to learn directly from other BIPOC individuals who this affects, right? But that actually brings my next point of some of these events, especially some of the more diversity-tailored ones, I feel is sometimes more for education instead of I want to create a space where people can come together and solidarity of, mm, okay, hey, yeah. yeah, you know, of like, I, I myself as a white individual, when I was in that space, I knew I was a guest in that space, you know? I knew it wasn't meant for me, and I knew I was going to learn it, but I wasn't expecting to be taught, you know? Right. Um, whereas some of the other diversity programming, I think sometimes just ha- takes on this tone, maybe even accidentally, of we're educating white students about this or straight students about queer issues instead of queer people are already well aware of what the issues that they face. And I think they need more support to come together and be like, Hey man, that sucks. You know, or, you know, or just even focusing on joy of like, man, queerness is so abundant and it can be so powerful and so beautiful. And I, I would love to see more of that programming instead of just kind of, Sometimes I think it's a little bit vague, you know, of yeah. I, I believe every Friday um, the LGBT Resource Center just kind of has an open lounge, which is lovely. Yeah. But, I mean, I know myself. I'm outgoing, and I still don't want to walk into a room full of strangers and expect right. to socialize. So I think I think it's walking that line of structured programming with enough freedom to explore these connections and how are they form, but then also recognizing, like, okay, if we're structuring this – who is it meant for? What voices are being told? Like what voices are being amplified and who is being left out? And I think that it's a, it's a hard line to walk, but it's definitely one that I think everyone can improve on, including myself. Mm, cool. Well, what do you think the university does well at creating, you know, a safe campus for queer students? Um, and then do you have ideas of how the university can improve with that? Yeah, I... What's interesting about that is, like, my first answers to what does the university do well, I feel like it doesn't even come back down to institutional change. I think it comes back to the community, Mm, you know, of 
I'm thinking of my friends. I'm thinking of my straight friends who are fantastic allies who have spoken up for me. I'm thinking of my teachers who maybe didn't know how to use my pronouns and tried anyways, you know? So I think so much of it comes down to the individual actions that people don't recognize actually really do make a big difference, you know? Mm. Of, of course, there is macro change that needs to happen and should have been happening already. But I think so much of what makes me feel safe here comes from just being able to connect with other queer individuals and other people who may not be queer but make such a safe space for me to be queer like instead of tolerance and acceptance it's embracing it's hey i don't know about this like this is awesome i'm gonna let you be your most authentic self in your full abundant self and that's cool and i love that because i don't know i really does do think it comes down to individual things but as far as a macro level I really think that anything that will affect queer people will also benefit the larger population, you Mm. know, of addressing campus safety issues, addressing the affordability of uh, of the institution, you know, addressing the accessibility of parking, for example, you know, anything that benefits queer students automatically benefits every other group. And I think that's something that can be also attributed to the larger conversation about activism and social justice and politics is when you help the most marginalized, everybody benefits. So I, it's not just a queer issue. It's it's an everybody issue. Mm. And when it comes to the more individual level, what are the biggest ways do you think our community can improve just on that level? More curiosity or more... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, conversation. Yeah, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I I definitely think I want to appreciate curiosity, and I I do appreciate curiosity, but I think it's also good faith curiosity and respectful curiosity. I I forgot about this, actually, until our conversation was freshman year when I moved out here. um, I I was hanging out with some people. I was a lot of people's first lesbian, which was really surprising to me. First lesbian friend? First lesbian period that they'd ever met. And I was like, how? Like, it's just crazy to me, you know, because... I mean, growing up in Florida, I mean, it's a very different red state, but it's still a red state. But there's also so much more diversity in Florida Mm, for it being a red state. There's a lot of different people together. So sometimes I would have people asking me really invasive questions from the start. Like, Mm. I'm not sure if we're allowed to put this in, but like... We'll see, I guess. Yeah. I was going to (laughs) say, I'll never forget, I um, was hanging out with some friends and someone had told she she must have been intoxicated i really don't know yeah um someone had told this girl that i was a lesbian and she came running up to me and before even asking anything she was like oh my god i heard you're like a lesbian like how do you have sex like Mm. what how's that work yeah and i just was so upset that i was like no I just didn't respond because right. if any if that had been coming from a close friend who genuinely didn't know, I would have answered. You know? Yeah, totally. But that was someone I didn't know the name of. She didn't know my oh, name. Wow. She just saw me as like an educational opportunity, and it was just really frustrating and evasive because I don't want to talk about that. And yeah. also, wasn't in the conversation we were having. We weren't having a conversation. It was just kind of random. Yeah. She she was yelling at me from a truck. It was wow. really bizarre. Yeah. It, it was really weird. And there was a lot of that my freshman year where people there were some people who just genuinely didn't know and then there were some people who were asking because they wanted to fulfill like some weird curiosity Mm. and it's like 
you could have Googled that, honestly, and you'll find out, you know. Yeah. But if you want to ask me questions, like, make sure it's coming from a place of why do I want to know, you know, of like, right. and also, what am I asking and what is my relationship with this person? Because I think that's something that's super important to recognize of not every queer person is going to want to teach you something, you know, mm, and yeah. not every, like, BIPOC person isn't going to want to teach you something, you know. Um, but I am always, I'm personally, I really liked having these conversations because I feel like some things are hard to google and yeah. i think my advice to people is don't be afraid to be wrong but be prepared to be wrong and accept being wrong in graceful ways mm. you know of like hey if i went up to her and said hey that's actually pretty invasive yeah. i would love for her to be like oh man i'm really sorry about that let me rephrase you know right it's about having that respectful conversation and just figuring out where those boundaries lie and being okay when those boundaries are wrong and also just being aware of like oh man i may have caused some harm right now you know yeah totally. so again it just comes down to respect like curiosity is so important and being wrong is so important because you need to learn but it's also being prepared of hey i i want to make sure that this is a space where you feel safe to answer and if you don't i'm going to accept that and not pressure you to answer you know mm. things like that yeah totally yeah um do you have you can you think of good educational resources for people that want to learn more about um just different aspects of the lgbt community yes. or like even yeah the sex education parts of mm-hmm. it um or really you know anything if it's straight students or mm-hmm. students that are part of the lgbtq um population Mm -hmm. what are some good resources that way number one is under the umbrella bookstore under the umbrella is the first ever queer owned bookstore out here and they have so many incredible books and not every book is related specifically to lgbt issues they're they're, they had a fantastic black history month um little display like it was awesome and they have tons of stuff on just politics on education on activism literally anything they have everything from fiction and memoirs to local people highly recommended recommend under the umbrella it is right next to the gateway really oh, great. cool yeah it's, it's awesome right where i live so yeah it's it's great i i really love it but i think also the second thing is just learning from queer people themselves because also i've had people who like for example i'll share like a little happy story if I've yeah got time. no I, let's do it so i was the outreach director for the vkw ticket right mm-hmm. and a friend of mine who was on that has another friend right We'll call her May because this will get confusing if I don't okay. use names. So, yeah, okay. so apparently May told, and then what's uh, I'm trying to think of names that are not the actual. No, names. that's that's thoughtful of you. We'll, yeah. yeah, we'll do May and Jane. I know Jane, and Jane has a friend named May. May uses they them pronouns just like me, and May told Jane um, how powerful it was to see me like involved in a, a capacity, like a professional capacity with the university. Cause they'd never seen someone using their pronouns mm. who was represented in such a way. And may has uh, a complex history with their parents and hadn't been out to their parents and hadn't told them about it. And may told Jane, if Alexis can be out there with the whole university, I can do it with my parents. Wow. And actually, like, talk to their parents because of me. Yeah, And even just wow. thinking about that makes me tear up. Yeah, that's but so inspiring. I, I think that also shows of just look around at who's in your circle. Look at the spaces you're occupying. Are there queer people there? Are there people of color? And if there isn't, ask yourself why. Mm. What barriers are there that you might not know about? It might accidentally be like upholding, you know, to make these spaces exclusive and start trying to invite people in, you know? There's always something to be learned, whether or not that's having a conversation with a queer person or even just watching how they occupy space, you know? I'm very adamant, even when I am scared of trying to be as 
visible as possible because for pe- people like J- May, right. right, of I it just by being visible, it allows other people, even and straight people as well, to say, hey, it's okay. Like you can be your most authentic self. You can be your most weird, vibrant, wonderful self because there are other people doing it as well. Mm. But. So with that in mind, I would say following, there's tons of great resources actually on social media. Like Mm. my first introduction to the queer community, because I was one of the first people to come out in my high school, were not in person. It was all social media. And I've learned so much from really incredible creators on on the internet and it's they're not very hard to find honestly you you can just google it and see what comes up on instagram see what conversations are happening on twitter in spaces that maybe you haven't occupied before and just listen because i've learned so much just by listening to the lived experiences of other people cool i mean that's probably really cool too right Mm -hmm. because people can connect from different parts of the world sometimes. And if someone lives in a small town, Mm -hmm. for example, and might be the only queer person that they know in a small town, um, I'm sure that could be like a really cool opportunity. Yeah. And it's cool too, to hear these stories about like, everything is so complex. Like I wish everything was black and white. I wish things fit into nice, neat little boxes. But like when you learned from the lived experiences of people, you get all that complexity. Mm. You get other identities coming together you get everybody's lived experiences that have brought them to this moment you know and i think that's something that you might not always get from like a simple google search or like a a reading an article you know the the complexity and the beauty of talking to other people is just awesome the individual experiences yeah Yeah, yeah. totally um well i love to talk about pride week coming up um here at the u um so i want to hear what it means for you that the university Mm. does pride week um and yeah, what does pride mean to you in general? Yeah, I oh man, what does pride mean? I have so many thoughts on that. Cool, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I'd love to hear any and all of them. Um, yeah. And if there's perspectives too with, mm-hmm. you know, Florida pride and Utah, mm-hmm. like what the different environments might mean. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, how the U embodies that too. Yeah. I think pride means a lot of things. And I think overall, I, I've been really resonating with the word abundance lately. And I think pride is abundance because I think so often our world values scarcity. Mm. There's not enough love in the world for you. There's not enough space in this room for you. There's not enough whatever, you know, and scarcity creates value. And But there are other ways to create value, you know, and I think when there is an abundance of joy and it is abundance of love and laughter and whatever, that sometimes people feel scared of like, well, is it meaningless because there's so much of it? And I would argue absolutely not. Mm. Because there, because there is so much of it, there is value. It is valuable, and so we are fostering more of it. And so I think that really, I think queerness ties in really well with abundance and this idea of pride of the world has told us for generations that there will never be enough room for you. There will not be, you are not meant for this world. And whereas pride is the direct the smile on the face of a fuck you, you know, it is, it is very much a, I am going to be here whether you want me to or not. And I think that is, that is abundance, Mm. you know, that is showing up in full capacity in your authenticity and still being scared. It's a lot of ands instead of buts, you know? Oh, cool. You know, that, that's how I think about it a lot. I mean, something I learned from therapy and I absolutely love is like, 
use and instead of but because two different things can be existing yeah. and true at the same time, right? And I think pride is a lot of ands, you know? Yeah, and it's kind of getting away from that black and white thinking like yeah. you were saying before, right? Oh, yeah, which yeah. is so scary for people, you know? Yeah. And I understand it. I hate change. Yeah. I would love it just to be so easily sortable. And yeah. it's just not. And I think that really scares people. But also, I think there's a sort of freedom in that. And I really do think pride is freedom yeah. of, hey, things don't have to be the way they always have been. I don't have to be scared. I don't have to be limited. I can be myself and I can show up and change the rooms that they are in so that other people can be themselves as well. Mm. So with that in mind, going back to Pride Week, I think it's a really great step that the U has Pride Week. You know, yeah. I I mean I would much rather the U to have Pride Week than to not have Pride right. Week. Like yeah. I definitely think there's more to be done and there's always more to be done. And I think that this is an important part and facet of recognizing Pride at the U. Um, I remember they did a clothing drive last year and I got my absolute favorite favorite jacket from them so i'm very cool. excited for pride <laughs> yeah. week again so. awesome yeah <laughs> sweet well um i want to hear i think this is my last question um yeah. of just would you recommend the university of utah um to queer students in general mm. if yep. they're maybe looking for a college to go to um yeah would you recommend the U? I think so because i mean the alternatives are not great in, in utah, utah yeah. in utah but also i mean coming from as a queer southerner you know um I mean, I've only existed in red states, you know, mm, and I think yeah. they're, I think, I mean, I, I wrote on my story recently because Florida is passing some really hard legislation and Utah is very interesting because whatever Florida does, Utah does as well. Interesting. They, Florida usually paves the way for other red states to be like, what can we get away with? Uh, yeah. um, and that's really interesting to exist as someone who I love Florida and I love Utah and both my homes hate me. Mm. So it's very kind of interesting yeah. to exist in that space. So I think coming from that background, I would recommend the U, but also I would make sure that they know, hey, it is hard here and there is community. There's something that's interesting. I mean, I've said this to Parker several times when we've talked. Um, so Florida is a red state, but it's so diverse that it's a purple state, right? Right. And the thing with it being a swing state is that there is not a lot of community. There is community mm. for sure, but it's kind of – it's not as – as strong and cohesive as the community out here. So I always theorize that Salt Lake has such a dominant culture that all the subcultures, whether that's something as simple as like punk music or yeah. other or art, right, to something as big as like BIPOC and queer communities had to rise up in equal or greater force or else they would be erased. Whereas in Florida, that's definitely happening nowadays. But when I was a kid, like growing up, it was like these things existed on the peripheral and they didn't need to fight every day to exist or at least they had to fight in different ways but out here like even just something as simple as slug magazine which has been around since 1989 would not have existed in tampa that just we don't have that like local art culture and because of that we don't have a lot of resources like for queer individuals whereas out here I can name like four different organizations just off the top of my head, probably more than that. Like I, there's so many resources because it is such a dominant culture. So I think that's important context when coming to the U, but again, it just comes down to community of queer people will exist in red States. Queer people will exist in every space because we're people. That's what we do. Right. And no matter where you are, whether that's San Francisco or Salt Lake city, you deserve rights and you deserve acceptance. And I think it is an act of resistance to be, 
showing up joyfully in red states and in institutions that may not protect you as much as others. Mm. But I do think that the University of Utah has made good strides, and I really hope that they will continue to prioritize that work um, instead of just checking it off of, we did our we did our best. We did the bare minimum. I would love to see more intentional um, and more radical support, honestly. Mm. Great. Well, Alexis, do you have any other last words before we finish up, um, whether just queer students or allies um, or, yeah, just anything regarding Pride Week? Um, I think to queer students, I know, I mean, if we just wrapped up the legislative session and as it's a very weird place to be trans in there when mm. I'm talking with Republican lawmakers and they yeah. don't know. So because um, my testosterone has not kicked in yet, but it's I really want to as we go into pride week like focus on rest like focus on recharging and focus on there is nothing more radical than being happy and being joyful and authentic in a world that doesn't want you to be and again coming back to the idea of abundance of there is enough love in the world there is enough rest in the world there is enough time in the world like we do not have to exist in these spaces of scarcity we don't have to keep cutting ourselves down you know and that goes for everyone like no matter what your identity is and what spaces you occupy in you don't have to keep cutting yourself down just to be accepted Mm. there is acceptance out there and it's just you gotta find it and you gotta show up for it and you gotta be that for other people so yeah that's great well thank you so much for coming on thank you for having me it was great Parker Service is the director of Our Stories. He has a cat called Washington Football Team and is majoring in film and media arts and a fourth-year student. They are also a queer student here at the University of Utah and the best boss of all time. (laughs) I insisted that I needed to say that. So uh, (laughs) we're going to go into um, Pride Week and, yeah, just what what your story has been. Um, So could you just tell me a little bit about yourself um, in this context and your story? Yeah. When I came to the U, I thought I was straight. Uh, I realized it about, or I was starting to realize it about this time three years ago. At the time, I was an SJA on campus, a social justice advocate, um, and I was was the only straight white dude on the team. And at this point, I am only white, so I guess they had me, I I guess I was in good company. Uh, And then in September 20... 20 I th- no 21 I I came out as bisexual and then about this time last year I came out as non-binary and that's my story in broad strokes cool um so what has that experience been like what have when you realized you know you're non-binary when you realized you're bisexual um what were some of the feelings that kind of came with that and how was What were those revelations like for you? Yeah, for me, on both accounts, uh, there's a lot of denial. Not because I didn't want to be. I just I didn't want to uh, take up queer spaces and then realize that I was faking it the whole time for attention. Mm. So I was I was in that space for a long time, just like, no, it's not me. It's not me. Uh, And of course, it ended up being me. Mm. Um, Yeah. It made it easier the second time, though, coming out as non-binary, binary, because I had already real. I had already went through this and realized that I was just in denial. So it was a lot easier the second time. But once I like figured it out, uh, it's a lot of joy, frankly, um, mm. just because there's no communities like queer communities anywhere. 
that I've been in at least. And I just feel so much more passionate about that than any other ones that I've been in. Yeah. Um, everyone is so caring and nice and it's not like that's, it's not like there aren't issues, but, uh, it's a lot easier to just be happy. Mm in these groups so we'll say more about the queer communities and that you've been a part of like what has that you know joyful experience yeah. been like what is it like to be in a community like that and um i'd also like to hear what they could you know those communities could do better yeah potentially. uh famously uh i realized i like the definitive the definite point where i realized i was by for sure was i was reading a style guide for the x-men and oh, i turned awesome. a page to colossus Piotr rasputin and i just sort of sat there for a minute and I, that was the realization so with that the first like group of people i came out to before my friends before my family was this group of x-men fans the cerebro discord because um, i knew they would be receptive to it mm. and they are mostly queer it was really like it was a really nice way to figure it out because I was I still had some of that denial I was talking about and but because of the anonymity of online discussion it was like it was a lot easier to mm-hmm. just be like that because if yeah. I if I changed my mind and which I of course won't and I didn't but then who cares nobody knows my name it feels more safe and yeah it, it made it a lot easier to test out that label uh yeah. both times and then the next group I uh, was my screenwriting cl- class on campus. Mm, um, cool. Professor Paul Larson is my favorite professor of all time. Uh, Alex- that's how I met Alexis is cool, through the screenwriting yeah. class. It was just somewhere that I felt that I could be queer and comfortable in it because most all of the coolest people in the class were already queer and comfortable with their identities. Mm. So it was really easy uh, to the point where they didn't even realize that I wasn't out when we fir- when I first met them. They assumed uh, you were queer. They just assumed okay. I was. I mean, which I was, but they assumed I was out. Yeah. Um, which is fair. Yeah. Uh, but uh, famously, the problems with some queer communities is just racism. Mm, not like not like outright, but like trans queer people of color have it way worse than the rest of us. And a lot of times, we advocate for something and we're not thinking of them. Okay, yeah. So not like outright racism. I've never seen a queer community that is just like outright racist, but just that we're not thinking as much about POC people as we could be. Mm. And that's the main problem. So it sounds like – well, I guess one follow-up question I have is what do you think that's like to – you know, kind of come out in a class setting? You know, as we talk about the context Mm -hmm. within the University of Utah – do you feel like classes and clubs, um, yeah, what is that like? Yeah, well, screenwriting, it's a workshop class. So you okay, cool. e- each week a handful of people will bring in a script that they wrote and you'll read it and we'll, like, give comments on it. And um, it was really easy to just be out because, I mean, my characters were gay that I was writing about. So it was just, like, a pretty natural position to be in. Yeah. Just why not? And I don't think I ever came out to those people specifically. I don't think you need to specifically come out ever. The idea of coming out is like a very heterocentric perspective. Interesting. Okay. Say more about that. I'm curious. Yeah, well like in an ideal world you're just you just are queer. Mm. Like you don't need to announce it to everyone, you just are. Yeah. Um and that's not the one we're that's not the world we're in. So like I come out and I don't think 
it's a problem to come out. I just, ideally, you don't have to. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Cool. You mentioned screenwriting, not yeah. just as the class, but also the art of screenwriting, mm-hmm. you know, writing scripts um, and kind of writing gay characters and that. I'm curious. So we just interviewed Alexis mm-hmm. and they kind of talked about their poetry. I'm curious if you have had cool experiences just with art, um, mm-hmm. whether you've been inspired by art or creating your own art mm-hmm. um, in relation to your queer identity. Yeah. The the characters I was writing that were gay were gay long before I could have even considered it. I didn't realize they were gay when I set out writing it, but it became clear that they were like in love. And I think that's how you should write stories. Like you just kind of discover things about these characters you're writing about. Cool. Yeah. Uh, It wasn't until about halfway through that I started dabbling with my own sexuality. And I just think art's like a great way to try to experience it. Cause if you're an artist, visual or written or musical or any type of artist you're putting yourself in the shoes of something Mm, Um, interesting whether that's the characters you're writing about or whatever you are experiencing something i think that's really powerful like a powerful way to do anything because uh experiencing other people's stories is really important and that's why our stories is our stories because that's the idea yeah Yeah. oh totally maybe we could talk about that like what just your journey has been like you know kind of going through college discovering these things Mm -hmm. about yourself um and what your relationship's been with our stories yeah and kind of just you know any mission statement type of um mentality you have with our stories and Mm -hmm. relationship with the organization well, I've always been interested in stories in general, just like I think they're important to humanity. And yeah. it's one thing that like separates us from animals. Yeah, that's so true. And I just think it's so vital to me. I, I talked about this when the Crony interview, interviewed me a month ago. I need to check this out. This interview, <laughs> send it my way. Uh, and I just, I just think it's like important to share these share stories in general because everyone's different, and yeah, that's just. What is that's what is important about humanity is that we're not the same. Yeah, and that's what's so powerful about queerness, I think, because we're so not the same that we're called queer, like mm, that it's its own title almost. Like, yeah, rather than like somebody saw us and gave us the word queer, like they just saw us and thought we were weird. Yeah, right. Because well. The origin of that word is very different than how it's used yes, today, yeah. too, right? Yeah. Like, it used – like, I'm um, reading some, like, Sherlock Holmes and stuff right now. Mm-hmm. And it seems like the talking about stories, right, and, like, the way that that word is used means, like, meant weird back yeah. then. Um, but it seems like maybe part of pride has been kind of, like, embodying that word. And, like, yeah. Um, you know, kind of giving it, like, a new mm-hmm. – sense of i don't know well of Um, course it was like used very inflammatorily uh after it was Mm -hmm. just used weird um so part of pride is just like taking that back taking who we are back it was kind of a slur maybe yes after the week yeah i remember growing up like what would i say like growing up that was always like like queer meant like weird you know like when i was a kid in utah Mm -hmm. like conservative community you know Mm -hmm. but like and that that's something like i've had to like you know, from queer friends, like, say, like, is it okay that I use this word mm-hmm. because of the way it was used growing up? But I love the way that 
like it has been used, you know, yeah. by the queer community to embody something. Mm-hmm. Mm. I think the first like person I saw really discuss this, um, which is, I know is not the first person to discuss it, but the first person I saw uh, was Jay Edidin. Um He's one of the hosts of Jay and Miles Explain the X Men. Oh, cool. Okay. Uh, he had a writer or a, com- a listener uh, comment and like, hey, I was called queer all growing up as like an insult and you guys use it so flippantly. And Jay's just like talked about how he was too and about like how, and I don't remember what year it was, but that at this point it's something that we just own and there's just not a, another good word, a, mm. a word as good to describe all of us that as a community. It's gay, lesbian, bisexual, yeah. transgender. Like LGBTQIA plus yeah. is like really long to say. So I'm going to just so be long. real. Like it's really long. Mm-hmm. And also like that doesn't even encapsulate like the whole sexuality spectrum. Of course not. And so like, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. But queer kind of encapsulates that. Yeah, yeah. that's really interesting. Because ultimately, we're all, I mean, all of those letters are different groups, but we've like formed a coalition around uh, being queer and being different. Mm. Uh, so I think it's just important to stand together as a cohesive unit, yeah. not as all these individuals. And we all have different priorities because, I mean, trans people really need rights more uh, immediately than a lot of the rest of us do at least at least in america but so like they might have different desires than someone who's cis would Mm. even if they're Mm. cis gay men yeah but because we identify uh as this queer unit i feel like we stand for each other that's why i think that word's so important to me yeah cool that's awesome. Um, well, maybe we could talk a little bit just about how the U, you know, creates a safe space. Um, uh-huh. What's your experience been like there, even outside of, you know, there's kind of clubs and classes, um, but on the macro level, institutionally, mm-hmm. and then also the community. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess there's a lot of dynamics going on there. Yeah. How do you think the U does with that? I'll never forget how angry I was when I woke up and found out that someone had vandalized the block U because it was covered in the pride flag. Oh, I didn't year. know about this. Yeah, last okay. year, or they always wrap the the block U with the pride flag for Pride, for pride Week, week. Right. yeah. Okay. And last year, someone vandalized it during that time. Um, and obviously, that is an individual person, but I think it speaks to a greater problem of living in Utah. Um, mm. Yes. Because I found, I, I think Alexis was really on the point when they were saying that, like, we have been, like, forged in fire because uh, we live in such a oppressive place that we have to come out the other end stronger and more unified. Um, but there's still lots of people who are not part of this group who want to take us down and makes me really angry and it makes me scared sometimes mm. um even though i could easily pass as cis and straight um mm. do you think campus safety would be like the best thing to improve for something like that or i think i think it's mainly just culture and i i don't know what 
that you can do because um, it's just a problem in the state in general. Yeah. Um, Especially as you get out of Salt Lake. Yeah, I mean, In exactly. Salt Lake, too. Like, there's definitely homophobic people in Salt Lake. Mm-hmm. But, like, we can't, like, we can't, like, what are we going to do? Tell the people in, like, South Jordan, Harriman, mm-hmm. Davis County, you know, like, the broader, like, populated area of Utah, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, mm. I grew up in Harriman. Yeah. It was a bad time, mm. frankly. Um, and I wasn't even queer yet. Um, How is it Or I didn't realize time? I was queer yet. Well, I mean, uh, if you're comfortable, it's, like, yeah. I mean, it's suburban now, but it's when I moved there in like '03, it was pretty rural. Uh, okay, yeah. People rode horses. They, there's a, oh wow, there was a rodeo place next to my middle school. Heck yeah! I mean, um, maybe people I don't still know. think they're rural. Exactly. Okay, right. That's part it's, of the problem. It's culturally, <laughs> people would wear like, people would like fly the Dixie flag. Oh yeah. So in their in their trucks on the way to school. Like Confederacy kind of mm-hmm. stuff. Oh wow. Uh so I mean it's a bad time for lots of oppressed people. Yeah, that makes sense. I should clarify that I don't think all rural people no, are bigots of course or not. bad. Just that there is a certain attitude in the Harriman I mean, I grew up in Daybreak, which is supposed to be like a liberal oasis. Mm. It's kind of, not really. But <laughs> like, you know, I you were my, you know, like all my friends were in Harriman, mm-hmm. and like, mm. there's just a general attitude that's a little different. Me and me and Alexis have talked about a lot about this. How we think that the like hatred for Southern people is very classist. Mm, that's um, odd. that's so interesting. Yeah, like kind of like culturally, like like quote unquote almost like liberal elite kind of a thing, and like against well, just like, like Southern. Yeah, you know, they're all. Southern hillbillies or Appala- exactly. Appalachian, I'm uh, whatever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's very, Redneck it's very classist. And, yeah. Well, it's like also like they bring this back to like like Harriman. A lot of people in Harriman are rich. Yes, this is true. Mm. Like, like they they act like they're cowboys, but their families are millionaires. Yes, rich this is very cowboys. true. Um, it's just there's a lot of bad people in Harriman. Well, frankly, here's like a thought. <laughs> here's a thought though. Um, if someone is bigoted or even if someone just maybe doesn't have a lot of understanding of Mm. um, the queer population or like queer individuals, Mm -hmm. maybe just because they haven't had a lot of exposure. What is the best way to build bridges? Do you think like, um, and I know that's maybe a little bit more of a macro level question Mm -hmm. than individual, but um, I don't know. Do you think just like on, on their end, almost like curiosity, um, Mm -hmm. And asking questions or just more conversation. Like, that's one thing I'll think about a lot. Like, even just outside of um, the LGBTQ issues, you know, just really do a lot of issues. Like, Mm. what's the best way to build bridges if maybe someone has a lack of understanding of someone else's experience? Mm -hmm. Well, you you talk about curiosity, and I think if someone is curious, like genuinely good faith, curious – we probably we're probably good. Yeah, acting in good faith, right? Yes. Yeah, because um, we can probably win them over. Um, just unfortunately, a lot of people are not. So it's the bad faith that you're kind of talking about that are the people that might vandalize the you. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. You, I don't know who did that, but I'm willing to bet if I talk to them, there's nothing I could do. Hmm. And that's just an unfortunate way about the way we live. I don't know how we could solve that 
I wish we could. Um, I have family members who, like, won't respect people's pronouns. Yeah, of course. Like, they, like I've talked to a family member, will remain nameless, mm. who was basically like, well, what about all these celebrities who are, like, not putting their child's gender on their birth certificate? Mm-hmm. Like, can they use these, like, bad faith arguments? Yeah. To mm. try, and it's, and it, even me, like, I don't want to, like, interact too much as, like, a cis straight person. Mm -hmm. But even someone, like, I really try to help my family, like, understand these issues. Mm -hmm. And to, like, it's just, I don't know. It can be frustrating. Mm. Yeah, no, that's so real. And sometimes, sometimes it's just, like, a matter of time. And uh, because I know for me, my family had a very, like, heated argument. Um, Just, like probably i was probably still in high school this time about pronouns and i was the only person who was pro using they them and my english teacher aunt and uncle were annoyed at the misuse of language which is not true you can read shakespeare he uses singular they them all the time all the time um well, we've changed pronouns a lot as a species yeah. even just the like the royal we and like yep. we don't um, use the same as old english 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 just objectively changed uh just the history of that, you know. And just like that changes, uh, I mean, people change. My those aunt and uncle are very are not bigoted. They just it took mm. a minute for them to understand. They understand now. Even my more my more bigoted family are coming around and less like vitriol vitriolic about it. Mm. Even as it seems like the governments are going the opposite direction. Um, it turns out the Overton window moves left often, and yeah. the right can try to push us out and force us to concede, but we won't because we're proud of who we are, and we aren't going to change, so they better change their mind. Well, and one interesting perspective is even, like, I feel like the left has changed quite a bit in mm-hmm. my lifetime. Like, oh, for sure. Because, like, I think, like, for example, like, Joe Biden or, you know— um, was someone who was against gay marriage for a mm-hmm. while. And then now he's not just in support of gay marriage, but also like trying to help transgender people. Mm-hmm. Um, so it seems like, like, you know, the democratic party even was pretty against gay marriage for a while. And then I think yeah. it was like 2012 that like Joe <laughs> was the one that like was one of the first democratic, like he was the first like person in like an administration to come out and support. Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. Okay, well, I don't know if it was Barack Obama or the Clintons, but like, there's been a few that have kind of switched positions over the yeah, years. Yeah, a know? lot of. I mean, most Democrats were not in favor of gay marriage. What twenty years ago? Obama yeah. wasn't during yeah. his first run. Yeah. Oh, Neither yeah. was Hillary. I mean, that's what I mean. Like when Joe Biden came out, and I think it was 2013, and said, "I support gay marriage." Mm-hmm. He did not brief the Obama administration on that. Mm-hmm. Oh, and so, like, good on him. He pushed them to support gay marriage. Mm-hmm. But, like, we need to recognize that this was not so long ago mm-hmm. that people were, like, trying to control, like, the legal procedure of marriage, you know? Yeah. They still are. Well, well yeah. I um, think also there's probably well, – sorry, what were you going to say? Well, I was just saying that that, that proves that what we – do is effective Mm. and that's not going into that dark night it's standing up for who we are and it's facing down adversity um florida is very scary right now um but florida was really scary 20 years ago Mm. we can fight back 
and we will fight back. Well, maybe that leads well, like, to lastly kind of just go into Pride Week, you mm-hmm. know, because I think kind of that, like, um, that fight of, like, hey, this is who I am kind of a mentality, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but I don't know. I think it'd be fun to just end on Pride Week, you know, yeah. that's coming up. And um, what are your thoughts on Pride Week at the U? Uh, you know, I didn't participate much last year. Um, I just wasn't on campus very much last year. Um, but I loved, I love seeing the U wrapped up. I love seeing the crosswalk out front of the union painted on pride flag colors. Uh, I, I don't know. It, it feels like a good time. Even if you're not there, I'm going to be here a lot more this year. Um, I'm excited to send my last, my last semester here. Yeah. Uh, just celebrating who I am and who I've become over these four years at the university. And awesome. Oh, that's great. Um, well, do you have any other finishing thoughts before we wrap up? No, that's probably it. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much, Parker, for coming yeah. on. This was great. Thank you. And that's been another episode of Long Story Short. We hope that you found this episode interesting and informative. And if you've enjoyed the, today's episode, please make sure to look out for our next one.